Well, this verse in Nehemiah, uh, chapter 8, that's verse 10. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Has kind of set the syllabus for uh, these three Sundays. The first one, we thought of joy rather than sorrow. That actually those who do sorrow for their sins are those who can rejoice in the Lord. Um, in his loving kindness and goodness to forgive us. And that it's not the sorrow that makes us strong, it's what the sorrow leads to, which is confession and then forgiveness and then joy. That's what makes us strong. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The second one, we, we thought about what, what is the joy of the Lord. What does that phrase actually mean? And we thought about three, way, three particular ways that we could understand what the joy of the Lord was. But then this evening, on the, 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 the final one of these three studies, um, I want us to think about how is it that the joy of the Lord makes us strong? How is it? How does it work? Why does the joy of the Lord make us strong? Why is that our strength? And start off by thinking about them there and then in Nehemiah's time, briefly think about that, but then move on more generally to other teachings we find in, the, in other parts of the Bible, in the New Testament particularly, um, which show us why joy, the joy of the Lord, makes us strong. But for them there and then, well, if you remember the the context of the of Nehemiah the with the events that were happening then they were they were struggling they were trying to rebuild Jerusalem the, the walls of Jerusalem they, they'd had great success in that um, but they were surrounded by enemies people who who hated what they were doing who opposed what they were doing didn't want the prosperity of Jerusalem didn't want uh, that Nehemiah's mission to be successful but in addition to that they had problems amongst themselves of various different kinds that caused frictions and jealousies uh, bet- between them and there were way- ways in which their lives were out of step with what God uh, commanded them to do. And, and so, um, well, I suppose you could say they're a bit like us, you know, struggling to, to, with, God, with God to build the kingdom of God and, and be secure in our faith and protect uh, the, the faith that the once, and, once and for all uh, revealed to the saints uh, we have enemies, lots of enemies of that, making life hard for us. Um, but also, you know, we're no far from perfect ourselves and we have tensions and all sorts going on in our church communities. I imagine you do, all churches do. So we're, we're quite like them in many ways, uh, really. Um, and here, here they were, um, it was the 8th of October, 445 BC, um, this day, um, and the Feast of Trumpets one of those special festival times for the Jewish people when they would gather and worship the Lord. And as the law was being read, they, they grieved. They, they, were, they were sorrowful. They, they obviously realised that they had failed to obey God's commands and it, it troubled them deeply. They were, they were distressed uh, and they mourned over it. Now, they could either be allowed to um, dwell on their failure and stay in their, their, their sorrow. Um, or they could be encouraged to look to the Lord and rejoice in him. And that is what they were encouraged to do. Because, well, it's like the difference between looking at yourself and looking at God. It's like the difference between being 
sad, which is a good thing to do, to be sad for our sin, but to go through that into confession and forgiveness and rejoicing in God's constant love to you. Um, And I think we all know, don't we, that actually in all sorts of ways in life, uh, happiness and joyfulness is a stronger emotion, a more positive, constructive emotion to have than than sorrow and sadness and uh, being um, distraught about things. Um, Your morale is is lifted and you can get on with with serving God or doing whatever it is you have to do. So um, persistent sorrow would weaken their resolve um, uh, and their ability to serve God. But the joy of the Lord would fire them up to get on with what their mission was. And likewise, you know, we are surrounded by enemies, we have, we have issues of our own to sort out, and we really need the joy of the Lord to motivate us, to keep us going, to give us strength, to, to fire us, to lift our morale, to, to help us to do what God has called us to do. And there's ever such a lot of joy in the Bible. I, I, this week, I've, as I've been preparing this, I've, I, I've really had to say, well, you know, how, how much can I miss out? Um, how, 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 you know, how can I fit all this in? I better get on with it, haven't I? Um, but um, so I've, I've cut it down to just three categories, and these, these actually do kind of connect with each other anyway. Um, but I've missed out ever such a lot, which I'm going to let you. I mean, I just encourage you when you read your Bible to look for the joy there uh, and to see how much joy there is in the Bible. It's amazing. There's ever such a lot, ever such a lot of joy. So just three to focus on, on this evening and really to kind of get us started. And the first one is this, that the joy of the Lord is our strength because it motivates us to obey Jesus' commands. In John chapter 15, um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples shortly before his, his arrest <clears throat> and um, kind of preparing them for that. And he says this, uh, John 15 verses 10 to 12. If you can keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, and I have loved you. And if you notice there, but this, that's kind of like a sandwich. And the two slices of bread... Verses 10 and 12 say, say this. If you keep my commandments, and this is my commandment. So the verses 10 and 12, the two slices of bread relate to Jesus' commandments. And the filling in the sandwich, verse 11 in the middle, is this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So you can see that Jesus is saying, look, if you obey my commandments, you'll be filled with joy. Commandment, joy, commandment. That's the way it goes. In reference to commandment, reference to joy, my joy may remain in you, your joy may be full. That's a lot, isn't it? And then it comes back to the commandments again. So you can see that he said, he said I, t- I said these things to you that my joy may remain in you and your joy may be full. Which things? Commandment, commandment. Obey, obey, joy may be full. You get it? And so the joy of the Lord 
is, is our strength because it, it motivates us to obey Jesus' commands. We obey because it's right to. We obey because he is the Lord and we owe him everything. But also, we obey because it's the most joyful way to live. We're going to finish the service with the hymn Trust and Obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The, the, the way to find the, the full, fullness of Jesus' joy is obviously to receive his forgiveness in the first place but then to walk in obedience with his commandments. And so the seeking the joy of the Lord is a motivation, a further motivation to obey his commands and therefore it is our strength. It strengthens us to live like we should, to follow closely behind our Lord. You know, there, in this partic- that particular place in John 15, the commandment he's referring to is to love one another. Which is a, a, a costly thing to do. We had a, a series on love, didn't we, a few months ago. And it's a costly thing to do. To, to act, to live a life of loving other people. Very, very costly thing to do. And making decisions day after day. I'm going to do what is good for somebody else. I'm going to help somebody else, even if it costs me to do so. I'm going to help somebody else, even if actually that I don't, we don't really get on. Because I want to love like Jesus loves. Now that costs a lot. And how can we be motivated to do that? Well, because it's the right thing to do. Yes, because Jesus is the Lord and we should obey him. But also because this is how his joy will, be, will, will fill us and our joy will be full. It is the joyful way to live. But there are lots of other commands as well, aren't there? Be baptised. Some people find that an enormously difficult decision to make. To, to publicly declare their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ by being baptised. Some people have ever such big struggles with that. But it's a joyful thing to do. I don't think, any, I don't think I've ever met anybody who, who said, I'm really nervous about being, you know, I don't, I don't even like water, you know, or I, a whole host of different reasons I don't want to be baptised. But they, I don't think I've ever had anybody, after they are baptised, said, oh, that was horrible. Normally they're ever so happy afterwards, really happy, because they've done what Jesus commands them to do. And commanded to serve one another, to give, to pray, to remember the Lord of the Lord's Supper, to... to Make disciples of all nations. Loads of commands. And what's going to keep us going? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Seeking after the joy of the Lord. And that, that relates to now. The life here and now. A joyful, a joy-filled life. Obeying Jesus' commands. But it's not only now, it's also in eternity. So in Matthew chapter 25, um, is one of those places where Jesus told a parable, a story that, teaches a, a bigger spiritual lesson and here he, he told a parable of, of a master who gave money to um, his servants and gave five to one, two to another and one to, a, to another and then goes away and comes back after a, for a long time and to, to find out what they've done with it and the, the, the one who had five and the one who had two both came back and said well you know the one of them said I, with your five I made another five with your two I made another two and the, the master said to, to those two very much the same thing he said verse 23 of Matthew 25 the Lord said to him well done good and faithful servant 
You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. There's the joy of the Lord. And he was telling that parable really relating to when, when he himself was going to go away, and trusting, um, and trusting gifts and abilities and skills and opportunities to his people, that's us, and he would come back and want to know what have you done with it. And for those who have served well, there will be this tremendous um, phrase stated, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So there is a tremendous big incentive to obey the Lord's commands, isn't it? To serve him. What has he given, what has he given you to do? What, what gifts, and skills, abilities has he entrusted to you? And are you looking forward to that? that you, you're using them, you're motivated to, to use those gifts because of the joy now, but also because of joy forever. Enter into the joy of your Lord. The, the joy of the Lord will be yours forever to rejoice with him in eternity. So, when we are faced with decisions, we can use this, can't we? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Because decisions are often very hard to make, aren't they? And decisions whether to obey God or not are particularly difficult decisions they shouldn't be, but there's a real spiritual battle going on in that. Should I, should I do what God says or should I not? Because sometimes to obey God it is difficult, it's, it's costly, it's hard. We know we're going to face opposition, we'll come on to that in a minute. Should I or shouldn't I? Well, let's, let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Yes, I would do it because it's the right thing to do, but I will also obey God because I want joy now. I want his joy to abide in me that my joy may be full. And I want to hear those words for eternity. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So I, that will galvanise me to, to obey the Lord now. And that's deciding whether I should do a good thing. But then sometimes we, have to, we decide, should I do a bad thing? temptation now am I saying something that's absolutely stupidly obvious but I think I am <laughs> but temptations are usually appear to be nice don't they? I mean otherwise they wouldn't be temptations would they you know so a box of chocolates for most of us would be you know quite a temptation but if you hate chocolate there's no temptation at all Mark can I mention Marmite you know Marmite, Marmite, butter, toast, Marmite, but, toast, butter, Marmite. Oh, some of us would love it. Others would say, Ugh! you know, because it's only a temptation if you like it, if it's nice, if it appeals to you. So here is a temptation comes along to do something wrong, and it's appealing because that's why it's a, that's how it tempts you. It appears to be, to be nice, to be pleasing, to be a happy thing to do, a fulfilling thing to do, a joyful thing to do, an easy thing to do. And you've got to decide, well, will I or won't I? Will I or won't I? Whether it's think, speak, do, whatever it be. Weigh it up. Weigh it up. What is the most fulfilling thing? My joy may abide in you and your joy may be full. 
or that the pleasure, apparent pleasure of that temptation, which is the greater, which are you going to go with? You know the answer, don't you? Of course you do. You know the answer. The earthly deceitful pleasure versus the divine true joy. The temporary pleasure versus the eternal joy of the Lord. Which are you going to choose? Very often we choose the wrong way. Don't we? But let us take this verse. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That my joy may abide in you and your joy may be full. Let's remember that when we're facing temptation. Should I do the right thing or should I do the easy thing? Should I do the wrong thing or should I resist? The joy of the Lord is my strength. I will go for the joy of the Lord. That will be my goal. That's what will make me strong to live for Jesus and to live a pure and holy life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you choose to disobey, of course, you choose to deprive yourself of the joy of the Lord in the here and now. I think we have to deliberately you know, use this, use this verse in our spiritual battles of every day. Use it. Remind yourself of it. Think of it. Now, of course, Jesus' most basic call of all is to follow him in the first place. To bow to him as Lord and receive his salvation and forgiveness to, to commit our lives to him in the, in the very first place and there of course it is an option of the joy of the Lord for eternity because we already know the Lord Jesus as our saviour or the absolute opposite of that for eternity it, it's a non not, 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 not a question is it it's obvious what the right answer is the joy of the Lord is what will strengthen you to follow him in the very first place to know his love his companionship his forgiveness his peace his promises are yours in the here and now and for eternity the joy of the Lord is what will, what will attract you to the Lord Jesus in the first place one of the many things that will attract you so may that make you strong now. This very verse make you strong right now to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. I really want to give my life to you. Because I need you. But I also want that joy that only, that only you can give. Incidentally, grumbling, miserable Christians are one of the worst bits of worst, worst evangelistic tools you could possibly think of. It's not evangelism, it's bad angelism, if I can coin a, coin a word. Christians who are actually miserable is a very, very negative kind of event. It's a bad, bad angelism, not an evangelism. So let's make sure we do rejoice in the Lord so that our witness to other people will be strong too. That's number one. Number two, the joy of the Lord enables us to bear opposition. <clears throat> That's why we read from Matthew chapter 5 earlier. Remember, blessed here has a distinctive emphasis of the word meaning happiness happy blessed are those because I mean, this hardly makes you know on the face of it this does not make sense does it blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven 
Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How do we find the strength to put up with opposition? If we're already facing it. There's mockery at school or mockery at work or your family. Or how do we find the strength to make decisions that we know will bring us into mockery from other people? Mm-hmm. Shall I say anything? If I do, what will people say? Will they laugh at me? If I end up to being a Christian, if I do, how will people react? If I befriend that person that everybody else makes fun of and try and help them, will I be rejected as just as much as they are? A person nobody else wants to have anything to do with? If I get alongside them, will I face the same fate that they do? Will I be mocked as they are? How do we make those decisions? How do we cope with rejection when we face it? And how do we make the decisions that we know are going to bring us into mockery or rejection by other people? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. There's the strength, isn't it? The joy of the Lord is our strength to help us to face opposition. And of course the best example of this ever, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 written to Christians who were perhaps some of them thinking of giving up on distinctly following Jesus because it was so hard. So hard. Lots of examples are given. You know, chapter 11, all the great heroes, some of the great heroes of the Old Testament. And then ultimately coming to the Lord Jesus in the beginning of chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why? How did he do it? Well, one of, one of the motivating forces that helped the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ face that mockery, that trial, that torture, that punishment and that crucifixion and the shame the public shame of being nailed to a cross dangled in front of other people's faces was the joy that was set before him he knew what was coming to seek that joy, to return to that joy to experience that joy that's what one of the things that helped him through and enabled him, strengthened him to go through crucifixion for us. And the joy of the Lord was his strength. 
and the joy of the Lord can be our strength too. So if people already do reject you or mock you, look forward to the joy that will be yours. I mean, well, for, enjoy the Lord now, of course. Seek the joy of the Lord now, in the here and now, but also look forward to the joy that one day will be yours. Blessed are you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, says the Lord Jesus. And if you have already paid a high price for being a Christian, and maybe sometimes you, to be honest, you, you regret it. Because you've had, it's been so costly to you. You've lost friends, maybe you've lost some of your family. You, you, you face opposition at work or school or university or wherever it might be. And you're thinking, I wish I hadn't. It's not just sometimes I wish I hadn't. That's probably because you are weak at that moment in time when you think that way because you've lost the joy of the Lord. You've lost the joy of the Lord. If you could return to the joy of the Lord, to rejoice in God and what he's done for you and what he's given for you and what he's going to give for you, what he's going to do for you, if you could learn to rejoice again in his love and kindness and faithfulness and goodness, you would not be regretting the decision you'd made because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you say, yes, I'm so glad, despite what it's cost me. I'm so glad I decided to follow Jesus. I'm so glad. So glad. And I really can't possibly give up. Because I'd be walking away from the source of greatest joy. If you're weighing up in your your mind whether to speak up for Jesus or be quiet because you're afraid of rejection well look forward to the joy that will be yours and if you're asking yourself the question should I commit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ at all look forward to the joy of the Lord there is there is the great incentive to be with the Lord now in this life and to be with the Lord forever thirdly and finally the joy of the Lord keeps us safe. We all know, don't we, that a, an unhappy person is actually quite vulnerable. At those moments in, in your life and mine when we have been deeply unhappy, I think we could surely say that actually those, those are dangerous times, really. We, we were vulnerable. We were vulnerable to people taking advantage of us. We were vulnerable to false ideas and being lured away to do things that were wrong trying to find some sort of consolation and comfort and happiness somewhere. Unhappy people are actually vulnerable. Unhappy children are spotted by unscrupulous people to groom them, to exploit them, whatever it might be, tragic, tragic and evil. Unhappy people at home are vulnerable. Unhappy people in the streets are vulnerable. Unhappy people at school or at work are vulnerable. And a Christian who is not happy in Jesus is vulnerable to temptation uh, and to want to want to wandering astray. And and moving on from John 15 to John 17, here the Lord Jesus is no, not talking to his disciples, but he's praying to his Father. In John 17, he's praying to his Father shortly before he himself is arrested and tried and crucified. 
And he knows the impact that's going to have on his disciples. He's been looking after them for three years, keeping them safe. And then he's going to be away from them. They're going to go be absolutely traumatised by his arrest and crucifixion. Then he's going to be back with them and he rises from the dead. But then he's going to go away again for a long, long time. Where he is now in heaven. We don't see him anymore. And he's praying to his father. I've looked after them. Now will you look after them? I've kept them safe. Now will you keep them safe? And he prays like this. And here are some excerpts from verses 12 through 15 of this prayer. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Verse 13. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Here's another sandwich. I've kept them. You keep them. The two slices of bread. And in the middle, in the middle. I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. See it again? Keep, I keep them, you keep them. Joy in the middle. The joy of the Lord, Jesus' joy fulfilled in us, is a large part of the way that we are kept safe. He gave them his joy while he was with them. And he wants the Father to keep them safe. And the joy being his my joy fulfilled in themselves is integral to our being safe in this world just as the filling is integral to a sandwich otherwise you've got two, two slices of bread it is one of the great ways in which we are made strong and kept safe and it is of course another massive reason to commit ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ to be spiritually safe in a spiritually dangerous environment this world where there are evil forces around us all the time to be strong to be safe to be kept from the evil one to know that the joy of Jesus fulfilled in us keeps us strong and safe from evil around us it was Jesus's prayer for his disciples just before he was crucified may it be our prayer for ourselves Lord, I'm going out into a dangerous environment today, to the world. I'm going to be surrounded by non-believers. I'm going to be surrounded by temptation. I'm going to be surrounded by all sorts of opportunities to do what's wrong. I'm going to be surrounded by, I am filled with all sorts of temptations as well anyway. Will you keep me safe? Will please may your joy be fulfilled in me. Fill me with your joy. Fill me with your joy so I will be strong. to to stand for you and to live for you not the deceitfulness of sin but let's make space to rejoice in the Lord to seek his joy every day Lord I want to rejoice in you today I want to fill my mind with your goodness and love and kindness and mercy to me I want to rejoice in you so I will be strong today make it your your active desire and your passion and your your, your, um, appetite for that because it will make you strong. It will keep you safe. Make it your prayer for yourself and make it your prayer for one another. That person will be filled with the joy of the Lord today.
and therefore will be strong. Well, as I said, there's loads more joy in the Bible. There's only there's a tiny amount, tiny bit of it. I'd say look out for it. You know, search for it and just keep your eyes open when you're reading the Bible. Look for, look for it. Look for it. It's there. There was such a lot of it. And rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength.